Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Early odds with Joe Ostrowski. Oregon's down by 12. They're on the 45-yard line with no timeouts. Oregon's got an all-American field goal kicker. Why didn't somebody tell me? Bet with an edge. He'd find out the kind of inside stuff nobody else knew and that's what he put his money on he even figured out the different bounce you got off the different kinds of wood they use on college basketball courts you know early odds with joe ostrowski a friend of mine is very smart said i've been very lucky with gambling i've never won broadcasting live from the score hyundai studios presented by your local hyundai dealers back in our normal time slot as we get you ready for Championship Sunday with all sorts of betting angles. If you need more than this hour, we're overloaded with content on my Bet Sweats podcast. Amazing guests all week. Matt Bowen, Simon Hunter, Adam Chernoff, Eric Eager from Pro Football Focus, to name a few. And speaking of superb guests, let's go out to California, bring in our friend Drew Dinsick at whale underscore capper on twitter he co-hosts the deep dive podcast with andy molitor and drew sometimes people come up to me and they say joe when, when do you sleep i say no 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 you you gotta go talk to drew okay go out to california <laughs> go to long beach check in with drew he's got a very important full-time job and the man keeps asking for more 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 especially during the nfl season he's got two expanded podcasts per week he does these halftime shows on YouTube during every primetime game in uh, weeks of this year. Sometimes it was three, sometimes it was four, even more. And uh, I, I'm always confused. I never know if Drew Dinsick is using a virtual background or if he's actually on a boat for some of these <laughs> halftime pods. What's up, Drew? Oh, nothing bad, man. Thank you, as always, for having me back on. I love, love, love talking to you during the football season and getting your perspective and uh, appreciate all the kind words. And hopefully the NFL has treated you well this year and uh, you can put a bow on the season and uh, head off into the into the offseason with a positive book. But uh, it's been a, it's been a good year, I think, overall, just in terms of fan you know, fan standpoint on the NFL this year. And I think we've been really gifted with a pretty awesome Final Four here. Sad or happy? Three games left. Happy. <laughs> happy. I'm ready for a break, man. It, as you mentioned, you know, doing two podcasts a week on this stuff and all of the other media responsibilities I've taken on this year, it's been a grind. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty ready to, uh, uh, to take a break, take a breather, and uh, reflect a little bit on this experience. Uh, Drew, for this show, 
it's mostly Chicago Bears fans listening in along with uh, regular betters. But I, I'd say for the most part, Chicago Bears fans listening on 670 The Score. And, and we don't need the Chiron for this with Adam Schefter popping up on the TV. But if you have an elite offense, you're going to have a really good chance at being in the divisional or into the final four uh, round for the NFL playoffs. It is not the anomaly that we are seeing in the 2020 season, even though strange with no home field throughout the year. But th- this is not an exception to the rule when you look at uh, the top three quarterbacks in EPA. They're playing top three in QBR. They're playing uh, of the four teams left. These are all top five in points per game, explosive pass rate, yards per play, DVOA, just about any metric you want to look at. And in recent seasons, 2019, three of the final four, top four yards per play. 2018, <laughs> you know, one through four scoring. I'm sensing one, two, a trend. Three, four. Hmm, it's crazy. Yeah. 2017, top two scoring teams meet in the Super Bowl. 2016 and 2015, three of the top four scoring offenses are in the final four in the NFL. So I, I just wanted you to hammer this home for me because I've been talking about this uh, a lot this week on the score, obviously. And we're going into what will be year seven for Ryan Pace. And even after missing on Trubisky, like that is bad. He will never, ever live that down, possibly passing on two Hall of Fame quarterbacks to get the other guy. And he also moved up in the draft, but whatever. But the process after five years going into year six with this being the trend in the league. Yeah, you need great coaching. You need great offenses to win with this going on for the 2021 roster, Drew. The Bears are set to spend more on defense than any other team in the NFL. 117 million compared to 63 on offense. But the Foles process was get average quarterback play, which could not have been more wrong. Yeah. Nick Foles, you might have thought in making that move that you were, you know, bringing your floor up. But in reality, you put an enormous cap on your ceiling. I mean, that was that and to give up assets to get him on top of it is even more reason to condemn that move. But your point is so fair and the trend is not an accident. Uh, and, and, you know, honestly, like if you I know they, they do MVP voting in the NFL in a weird way where you basically just get one, you know, they go to like you know, 30, 60 people or whatever, and they just get one guy. But if you did it more like the NBA, where you let people rank their, you know, one through four picks for the, you know, for the MVP, and you tallied 100 voters in, you know, in the media or, you know, people who are carefully following the NFL, your one through four would be the four quarterbacks that are taking the field this week. Mm-hmm. Period. Like they have absolutely shown themselves to, you know, separate from the pack in terms of their quality of play um, and not just ability to get a lead with the pass, but ability to come back in games where they've been at a deficit. And, you know, the, the, the offensive minded coach that is, that is bringing, you know, kind of new innovative scheme and ideas to the table uh, kind of is a, is a pretty clear through line here. And I mean, obviously McDermott is more of a defensive guy, but he's got Dable there who's running a very aggressive pass first system for Buffalo. And, you know, Buffalo goes and acquires Stefan Diggs this off season. You know, I mean, if other teams around the league had had the vision and the foresight to recognize that Diggs was a pretty clear top three NFL wide receiver and a, and a player that you could bring into the fold and help you know, help your young quarterback take an enormous step forward. I mean, there's a lot of other teams that I think would like a do-over on that potential opportunity and that missed out on bringing in digs. I think it's, it's, it's completely fair to say 
the top-down approach to building a successful franchise to compete in today's NFL starts with the quarterback, starts with the head coach, and mm-hmm. you know, realistically, you know, specifically to what the Bears are doing, uh, you know, they may have the coach, although you know, pretty clearly, it's it's a guy who struggles with uh, you know communicating and and really developing you know, certain positions and, and developing some confidence in, in a young quarterback, but and quitting uh, in the playoffs and yeah, right. Ab- <laughs> yes, ab- absolutely. And I still will kind of go back to, you know, last year's transition from, you know, the previous season where they win 12 games and, you know, they made things very easy for Mitch to the beginning of last year, where it seemed like Nagy was very intent on challenging him, trying to make, you know, force trying to force him to be, uh, you know, a, a more dynamic quarterback, we you know, raise his ceiling and mix, Mitch did not answer the call. And at that point, that was your decision point for the franchise. And it came and it went and they decided to make moves in the offseason that went in a very different direction. And the vision overall of building a defense first team, uh, you know, feels very, mm-hmm. you know, 2000s and not very 2020s. You know, I mean, I, I think you've put yourself in a very tough spot here if you're the franchise of the Chicago Bears, where you're going to be in purgatory for, you know, for the next couple of years here as you're dealing with a defense that is good enough to get you, you know, a minimum of six wins a year. So you're never really going to be in this, you know, in the mix for uh, the top tier talent coming out of the, you know, college level, but, uh, you know, but not quite good enough to get you a playoff win because your you know your quarterback has a very hard ceiling. So it's a very tumultuous time obviously and I guess if you want some positives at least you're not the Lions. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> There's that. Well, one more quick point on that is every talking head will say the quarterback is the most important position in all sports. All true. And that's been the case for a very long period of time. Just looking at what's happening in the league Again, I would just go with, you know what? It's more than that. It's everything. It's everything right now in the NFL. And the other common thread here, Drew, is for the most part, these four head coaches remaining, many of them play callers, aggressive. Oh, yes. Very aggressive. You've got to go for it in the end. And the guys that were conservative, you saw them go home in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, you absolutely absolutely correct, and um, <clears throat> I mean, we can even single out one of the teams that's in the Final Four with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and I per, I personally think, and this is weird to even say this because I was not you know I was not hugely positive about Brady heading to the Bucks in the first place, but for him to succeed to this level, in spite of some of the pretty glaring coaching mistakes that Bruce Arians is making, some of the pretty clear weaknesses in the offensive scheme that Byron Leftwich is trotting out there. I mean, Brady honestly is, is succeeding in the face of adversity on his own team, which is wild to say. Now, I don't think that translates. I don't think you can carry that forward uh, to say that they have a realistic shot this week against the Packers, but, you know, surely it's undercovered, you know, I mean, you know, Brady at 43 making it this far is, is a great story, but to do it while at the same time having a coach that doesn't really have a very good analytical focus on when he's going for it, when he's punting, when he's kicking field goals, uh, and having an offensive scheme that's putting the ball in the hands of Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones, when you have Mike Evans, you know, Godwin, Gronkowski, Antonio Brown, you have some of the most dynamic playmakers in the passing game on the field on a down after down. And, you know, it's 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 wild to see the distribution of when they're putting the ball in those guys' hands. And it's wild to see how long it's taken for the Bucks to really, 
you know, come around uh, and and Brady to bend them to his will uh, to run the, the the type of plays that the Patriots ran that were so successful for him for years. And you know, I think you've seen a lot of that start to manifest in the last eight weeks or so for the Bucks. And I think with that has come obvious success in the in for the offensive side of the ball for them. So you're right though that the you know kind of coaching concepts and uh, willingness to use uh, analytics to determine when you should be aggressive and when you need to just the vision to, you know, to, to run higher variance plays, because think about the bears against the saints, for instance, you're, you're a clear underdog in that game two score underdog, you know, that you, you're going to need things to break your way to come away with the win period, right? The talent level was, there was a gap in talent. You know, we've seen teams, 10 point underdogs go into playoffs, you know, situations and come away with wins, but it's always on the back of positive variance. They get the, you know, they get the, the fourth down conversions when they're, you know, when they're uh, attempting them, they stop the other teams to fourth down conversions. They get a couple of turnovers. You know, there is a blueprint to win as an underdog when you're, you know, when you're at a talent gap in the playoffs, but you have to be willing to take those chances. And it was wild that, uh, you know, Nagy crafts a very nice trick play or misdirection play on the (laughs) attempt to, you know, to Weems. And then they never go back to that for some reason, you know, it doesn't work once and they just sort of throw their hands up and say, okay, well, I guess we're just going to have to run to win. And it's like, okay, so you're giving up then. And, you know, it's, 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 uh, it's frustrating. I'm sure, uh, as a fan for the Chicago bears, but, uh, even more so it's, it's, pretty clear that we have enough evidence and there's enough people thinking about how to do plus EV football at this point that you should be able to correct this stuff. I mean, you know, if you're, if you're a good, if you have leadership in the organization, you should be able to bring these guys in, in the, uh, in the off season and sit them down and say, Hey, look, man, I'll like what, what happened in this playoff game? Like how did we only end up with three points when there's a minute left in this game? You know, the, the opportunities were there, uh, you know, what got away from us here. And I definitely think they're, you know, there's room to grow and it just takes some leadership. And, you know, I'm just not sure that it's there from the top down at the, in the organization. Uh, yeah, there's no doubt. <laughs> there's a bigger vacancy of leadership missing above them. Like you walk away after, after the end of the season, sit down, like you're more worried about the chairman and the president. So a big mess over there and they're going to run it back. And there are a lot of cases in recent years, eight and eight, Eight and eight, you're in that middle blob, and you run it back for year three, like we just saw with the Falcons. Uh, things yeah. are gonna, things are probably gonna end poorly. So maybe they will get their quarterback in the end. They're just gonna have to wait until the 2022 draft when they take a quarterback very high out of North Carolina, and that Ooh. will go over great with the fan base. I'm sure. Oh, jeez. Oh my <laughs> gosh, I never even thought of that. Oh man. That I would for- be a lot of fun. I forgot Trubisky was a Tar Heel. My goodness. <laughs> yeah, because he barely played. And Deshaun yeah. Watson was the better quarterback in the conference. <laughs> in the conference, of course. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Joe Ostrowski with Drew Dinsick here on oh, Sports man. Radio 670. The score. This is early odds. Drew, sit tight because we have to go in-depth on the final four matchups, which will air live tomorrow right here on 670. The score picks next on the Radio.com app. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. 
Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. So we just conferred on how to win in this league and where the Bears fall very, very short. Easy. Top of the four teams playing tomorrow. And to those betting angles for tomorrow, this is early odds with Joe Ostrowski. On Twitter, at Joe0670, my guest, Drew Dinsick. On Twitter, at whale underscore capper. And let's start with the NFC Championship, Drew. That's the first game tomorrow. Packers and the Bucks. Green Bay is favored, obviously. Uh, depending where you look, you can find a juiced three late in the week, or you can find a three and a half. The total has been bouncing between 51, 51 and a half. So assuming weather is not an issue at Lambeau Field, it seems like that total is going to continue to climb. Of course, everyone thinking about week six. Well, you know, Tampa really ran away with this thing. Green Bay goes up after the first quarter. It's 10 nothing. Then you get the pick six, and it was all bucks the rest of the way. Packers offense, terrific all year. Rodgers is going to be the MVP, but they were only able to compile 201 total yards in this game. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it may be some selection bias on my from my standpoint, but I kind of only want to take the first quarter from that game and use it as any sort of indication as what to expect in this game. I mean, you're right. Once the once they had a pick six, you know, once Aaron Rodgers makes the critical mistake and then he throws another pick, almost turns into a touchdown. Um, you know, the Packers sort of pa- you know they quit. They packed it in uh, in that at that point in the game, and you know it was one way traffic for the Bucks from that point forward. Um, but I think the first quarter is worth looking at because it gives you kind of, you know, an additional look inside, um, you know, what it is that is special about a Matt LaFleur system. And that is his ability to script a first 15 plays that takes advantage of the other team's plan A on defense and Tampa Bay. If I'm just an armchair offensive coordinator and I'm wondering, okay, well, what are they going to do defensively? They don't have a lot of wrinkles. They don't have a lot of multiples. This isn't a Bill Belichick type of defense where you're not exactly sure what they're going to do, but you can feel pretty confident that they're going to try to take away your number one option. The Tampa Bay defense is pretty clear and easy to read. They are aggressive. They defend the run exceptionally well. And on, in the passing game, uh, you know, if you give them looks that giving them signal that you are going to try to do some short passing, they're going to get aggressive. They're going to try to shut down those routes. They're going to try to jump those routes. They're going to try to turn the ball over. They're going to try to force fumbles. That opens things up over the top if you're a passing offense. And, you know, realistically, you want to go back to the likes of Tampa Bay versus the Chargers uh, as a great example, or Tampa Bay versus the, the Chiefs. You know, the first half of those games, 
the passing offenses that, you know, that are able to do it, attacked them over the top and they made them bleed. And I think that uh, the Packers come into this game with a game plan that's aggressive early on, that attacks them down the field over the top. Uh, and I think that will be relatively successful, which will put the Packers in the driver's seat in this contest and, you know, makes for a fair play to bet the Packers in the first quarter, bet the Packers in the first half. Um, and at that point, the question becomes, is Tom Brady capable of mounting a comeback? And I think there are a handful of things that play into this. Uh, the first of them is, yes, they have a defense that can stop the run that'll give them opportunity. So we can check that box. Yes, they have an offensive line that can pass protect, so it's not going to be a, a matter of uh, the pass rush for the Packers gets to Brady, sacks him, they never get a chance to mount a comeback. So I think you can check that box. Uh, they have a set of dynamic offensive weapons in the likes of Evans and Godwin and, and Antonio Brown and, and Gronk and, and Brait and even Tyler Johnson and Scotty Mitchell are contributing now. So they have this you know, diverse set of weapons in the passing game so that they almost certainly are going to be able to score quickly. Uh, and you know, be relatively efficient on a com in comeback mode. So I think that is also in the cards. The question really just is: Do you get anywhere close to the uh, you know a normal level of performance out of this Florida team that's going up to freezing cold weather? I mean, the Bucks haven't played very many cold weather games this season. You know, for the most part, they've been in in the South or indoors. Uh, and so this is going to be a little bit of a body shock for them to trot out onto a twenty degree field. Uh, in January and expect to play as as sharp and as well as you play when you're in 60 degrees in Florida. So I think, you know, there is some potential that uh, Tampa Bay sputters in this one, that they're a little lackluster. This is their third week in a row on the road. I personally think that the Ravens last week struggled to a degree because it was their third week in a row on the road. There was some lethargy there. There was some exhaustion there. They, you know, they didn't really get uh, the same push from their offensive line that we saw in the previous week. So, you know, there there were some sign that that third week in a row on the road has some negative impact on player performance. And I think that may manifest here ultimately for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I would guess that the Packers win and move on and are probably the right side if you can find a three. Um, but ultimately, the Tampa Bay having all of the right recipe for comeback potential in this spot makes me very, very interested in this over. The direction of line movement that we've seen going from 50 and a half up to 51 and a half now, I think that continues to trend in the positive. Um, I'm in, I'm into this over uh, as my stronger play on this game. And realistically, there are a couple of paths to victory here for the points. <laughs> Number one, Green Bay scores early. Tampa Bay goes into comeback mode, and you know we have a, a good kind of old-fashioned shootout. You know, lending 31-28 or 34-31 or something, right? Mm -hmm. or Green Bay is, you know, you know, comes up with a, a nice early game plan. Uh, they get out to an early lead and realistically Tampa Bay no shows and Green Bay continues to put pressure on. And, you know, I think Matt LaFleur has probably learned his lesson from the likes of say the Indianapolis Colts game, you know, or some of the other contests that they've had in recent years where they let teams back into it too much. Uh, I think they'll continue to put pressure on. You could see sort of a, a game state that plays out, not unlike what we saw in the, um, when the bears went to, to, to Green Bay in week 12, I think. Uh, in, in Sunday night football, it was like 44, 28 kind of game. They, yeah. They um, ended up scoring 25 somehow, even with Trubisky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I could entirely see a game state like that play out, but either way, I think you're talking about the Packers are going to get their team total here. 27 and a half, I think is a fair play to the over for them. Uh, and then really the, the you know, whether or not Tampa Bay covers this, uh, this three, three and a half, uh, or whether or not the over gets there the easy way or the hard way entirely boils down to uh, Tampa Bay's ability to play comeback in this spot. 
and I agree with you on Green Bay in this spot, and we, we've seen it all year. Green Bay first half, look at their opponent in the second half, and maybe you can do something live with the total there as well. It's interesting because they put the first half most books at uh, minus two and a half. And for the game, you could still find a three. So you're not worried about the three and a half or the three. You're going to bet the early stuff there. Uh, one thing I do think is relevant for week six. And, and as you mentioned, just the, the whole thing, it was a complete domino effect after that pick six was the aggressiveness that we're probably going to see again from defensive coordinator Todd Bowles for Tampa Bay. <laughs> and in that week six game, they blitzed Aaron Rodgers a season high 21 times, Ooh. 56% of the time on third down. And Rodgers is terrible against the blitz that day. Passer rating of 7.4 on 17 attempts uh, throughout the year. This is what the Bucks do. So you'd have to assume that they're going to continue. It worked last time. This is what they are that they're going to continue to send pressure all day at 12, right? Yeah, I mean, I would expect, yes, the the gloss that you want to put on that if you're back in Green Bay here is that they're prepared for it now, right? That was a surprise. It looked like a surprise. <laughs> it looked like they caught green bay by surprise in that game right if you watch that um and it's important to probably you know to note that there was a lack of chemistry in that game really between Devonte adams and aaron Rodgers. adams had missed i think three weeks with a, an injury and was just kind of being reintroduced into the passing game he had 10 targets only six catches i think the interceptions were targeting adams in that spot and you know i, I would i would say you know the the likelihood that Rodgers has a repeat you know stinker for lack of a better word uh, against this Tampa Bay Buccaneers solely because of the blitz, especially when he's at home, especially when they are, you know, relatively should be well prepared for it, uh, I think is is low. And honestly, we may see you may see 12 personnel uh, pretty regularly out of this Packers team where they, you know, where they bring some uh, some extra big bodies out onto the field, especially on third down to counter that potential blitz. If you're seeing this that level of aggressiveness out of this Tampa Bay defense, then the Green Bay Packers potential to hit them over the top and make them hurt. Uh, you know, not unlike what we saw with Rodgers to Lazard in the second half against the Rams, you know, those type of plays uh, could unfold in a way that, uh, you know, Tampa Bay is giving up the quick score in this one. So again, kind of plays into, uh, you know, the potential for the over. Similarly, if it works, uh, you could have Aaron Rodgers fumble, sacks fumbles, uh, you know, quicker, potentially some three and outs in that spot. And, uh, you know, if you're giving the ball back to Tampa Bay, you know, on the regular in this game, then, uh, you know, I, I do still think there's a higher potential for a shootout ultimately. But it's uh, it's probably the, the two things that would concern me back in Green Bay is what you just brought up, the aggressiveness, the blitz frequency, and how that may disrupt Rodgers in the passing game. Uh, and then similarly, you know, the Packers like to have five, six defensive backs on the field at all times. And if for whatever reason, the rushing attack for Tampa Bay, we works early and they can mm. play a little bit of keep away and play off Lenny, uh, you know, shows <laughs> up and, you know, has is ripping off, you know, eight, 10 yards of carry, then, you know, my opinion starts to change pretty quickly about how the game unfolds overall. Uh, I just have a tough time seeing, um, you know, a Tampa Bay team that's in their third week in a row on the road. Uh, you know, those that hurt that hurts your big bodies more than anyone. The fact that it'll be cold, the fact that it's out of their element, uh, all that I think has you know potential to to bring about negative consequence. So uh, I'm fine with the Packers, uh, you know, dictating the, the game state in this one and that playing into the over in their their first half, especially. 
I don't know about you, but I don't really have much of an opinion on the player props. I'm sticking with the Green Bay stuff. You know, on Tampa, it's are are you expecting Fournette to be out there for 68% of the snaps again, or is Ronald Jones going to get more run? And with the number of options on the outside for Tom Brady, if they are chasing, which ones is he going to go to? Is Gronk going to be on the field as much? It seemed like uh, there was a connection with Bright last week, but Bright was only on the field for 40% of the snaps. AB on the field for only 40% of the snaps it's really uh tough to project and on the green bay side okay let's say they control the game and they are more run heavy in the second half uh but at times if you're playing aaron jones props and it's usually his time of the year you get very upset when you see jamal williams out there and even some aj Dillon run uh like we did in the divisional round yeah you know what i think uh if i'm gonna zero in on one prop i'm gonna look for unders in the in the rushing game for the Packers. I don't think that's going to be a very effective at all in this contest. Oh yeah. Um, and, uh, and, 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 and beyond that, even you just have the, you know, the split between the various, uh, you know, players there, which could, it's going to dilute things in general, but then on the flip side, a great way for LaFleur to play into the aggressiveness of a third down blitz screen passes. Uh, you could see Aaron Jones be utilized pretty heavily, I think, in the passing game here. He was only targeted twice last week. Um, that, to me, seems like a very nice sort of we've thrown you off the scent, right? You know, we're, we're, you know, we're not going to throw to our running backs very much. In fact, we're only going to target him twice against the Rams. And now we come into this game. We're going up against a blitz-heavy unit. We're going up against some linebackers that are trying to get aggressive and be, you know, come after our quarterback. Yeah, we're going to hit you with uh, you know about ten targets to our running backs in this game. So I, you know, I, I would I would look for um, the potential for Aaron Jones and in particular to be involved in the uh, in the passing game in this contest. And if I'm looking for an over in the prop market, and what do you know, Drew? Tampa Bay has allowed the most receptions to running backs in the NFL. What do you know? Number one in yards per target, but (laughs) as far as receptions, maybe Aaron Jones is a look there. This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski, Sports Radio 670. The score, my guest, Drew Dinsick. He co-hosts the Deep Dive podcast. Make sure you subscribe to that. And uh, tomorrow night, Drew, we've got the AFC Championship game and (laughs) everywhere. It's all about Pat Mahomes. People are kind of neglecting to talk about the matchup here (laughs) with Josh Allen going against the Chiefs defense and uh, conversely with the the Chiefs offense facing this Bills D, which did a nice job. Probably more about Lamar Jackson, though. Uh, Point spread of three, total of 54. We kind of touched on this earlier with the Bears conversation. We can uh, hit on it a little bit more here. When you have Josh Allen and what Dayball has done with that offense, the addition of Diggs, and then of course you have Mahomes. We know all about Andy Reid and and Mahomes and all of their weapons. Do the matchups on defense matter in this one? Hmm. I it's a great question, and I can actually point specifically to the potential that we're missing. You know that you know we we could be very well. We could be missing. Um, you know, some of the key aspects of this matchup from an injury standpoint with all of the attention on Pat Mahomes' concussion. Um, number one, his potential injury to his foot, I think, could be meaningful. But number two, the Kansas City Chiefs defense isn't exactly healthy. 
Um, they are likely going to be without Brashad Breland and Rashad Fenton. Those are two pretty important cornerbacks for them. And if you're down two of your better cornerbacks going up against a, a, a Buffalo Bills offense that we know loves to throw, they love to throw to get the lead. They love to throw early and often. This is a team that basically has just waving the white flag on the running game. Uh, you know, they have a set of weapons in Diggs, Davis, and Brown. Uh, Cole Beasley is exceptional out of the slot. Like, they're going to put some pressure on you in the passing game. And I can entirely see the fact that, uh, you know, Breland and Fenton uh, could be missing here being impactful. Uh, so I'm, I'm mostly watching, looking down the, the injury report for the Chiefs, curious about some of these other players more so than I am about uh, Pat Mahomes. Similarly, uh, I think... The, uh, the Bills' defense is relatively healthy. Uh, we're not really expecting them to be the deciding factor so much in this one, um, but there have been pretty decent examples through the last handful of weeks. I'll point specifically to the likes of the Atlanta Falcons, for instance, going up against this Chiefs offense in Arrowhead where they came in with a game plan that was, we're not going to blitz you. We're only going to try to get pressure with our front four and we're going to drop some extra safeties into coverage and we're going to take away the home run threat. And if you can beat us, Pat Mahomes, with a more efficient passing game, with the short intermediate stuff, with, you know, with precision passing to, you know, Kelsey and some of your underneath receivers, then so be it. But we are not going to let you beat us with the home run. We're going to keep this game manageable. We're going to force you to be more efficient offensively overall. I would guess that that is plan A here for the Buffalo defense. And it has worked against Pat Mahomes over the last half of the season. Uh, more than just the Falcons have been employing this strategy of late. And I think, you know, kind of the book is out, so to speak, that you don't blitz Mahomes and expect to live to see another day. Like he's going to absolutely bury you if you get aggressive and, you know, with the blitz. So thinking through, you know, the potential that Mahomes with his foot injury, maybe he, his mobility is impacted to a degree. Maybe he is less likely to scramble on third downs to get that first down. Maybe, uh, you know, he is a little bit less effective in the rollout, which has been one of his bread and butter plays. Uh, all of that combined with the fact that I think the Bills have a strong potential to run a game plan that's going to prevent the home run. I think that keeps the offense for the Chiefs here in check to a degree. Now, I say that because the market more or less is expecting them to score 30-something points. Hmm. And that's a lot. And you know, just considering everything that's going on and all the moving parts here. So I think you know, the Chiefs have a relatively narrow band here where they score more than 20, less than 30. And the game, who wins, whether the total goes over or under, entirely boils down to how effective Josh Allen is in this spot on the road with the crowd. You know, This is his first uh, you know, meaningful playoff run. He's obviously looked more nervous in the two playoff games than we saw coming down the stretch. This was a team that was hanging 30 and 40 points on teams effortlessly. Uh, and all of a sudden they get into the playoffs and, you know, Allen's a little bit less accurate with his ball all of a sudden. Uh, you know, he's a little having a little bit more difficulty reading the cover two defense against the Colts. It takes him about a half to really get his feet under him. Uh, he's not running as often for whatever reason. Uh, and it's putting a lot of pressure on the Bills overall as an offense to go score for score with, some, you know, a team that's as high a potential as the Chiefs. So ultimately, I haven't pulled the trigger on a side here. I'm waiting for best possible price on the Bills. Um, but I do think the under is worth a, a consideration at 54 and a half, first half under, especially if you have two young quarterbacks here, you know, and, and granted, they're excellent 
pretty clearly two, you know, two of the top five going forward in the NFL in terms of, you know, quarterback talent. But the playoffs are, can be, you know, can be nerve wracking. And we've seen Pat Mahomes have some, you know, trouble getting into the game flow in big games in the past couple of years. He's ultimately, he's won the Super Bowl. So, you know, you can throw out the window that he's going to stink for the whole game. But, you know, we've seen him take a little bit of time to get, you know, sort of comfort with the game. Uh, and we've seen Josh Allen struggle a bit in, in his young playoff career so far. So just based on the inexperience in the youth at the quarterback position, I don't mind getting involved with the super high total of 54 here under. Uh, and ultimately, if we see this uh, creep out to about three and a half uh, or even four, uh, I'm going to be involved in the bills in some way, shape or form. Yeah, I'm having a tougher time with this one. It feels like uh, this one is a, a much tougher call it's interesting, Drew. This week, number one topic has been the value of Pat Mahomes. And my biggest takeaway is nobody knows. Like you're sure. hearing, you're hearing guys say, bookmakers say five. You're hearing guys say 10. This is what happens with your great team, your scary offenses, when you have the best quarterback in the world and Andy Reid as the play caller, is their numbers are going to be inflated. And for months now, the Chiefs' numbers have been inflated. They were inflated one week ago in the divisional round against the Browns when that was sitting at 10 throughout the week. Are we finally at the point here going up against a team that is red hot in the Bills and Josh Allen playing at a top three quarterback level? Are we finally at the point where, okay, the inflation's gone, the number's right? Championship weekend is always a unique betting market. Because you have two games, they are both on Sunday, and there is a big gap between them. Uh, you know, you you you're going to see some wild handle swing between kickoff of the first game and kickoff of the second game in terms of total action that's written on this one. Right? Um, there are going to be a lot of people who win in the first game and double down on the second game. There are going to be people who lose on the first game and chase on the second game, and there is going to be, uh, you know, there's going to be a lot of action. Uh, that comes in before kickoff of the nightcap, I would guess. That has a tendency to move these markets. You know, we're we're not in the time of season where you have this super high efficiency NFL market where, you know, you're picking off a one Sunday game out of eight that, you know, in the one o'clock spot where one number is wrong and the market, you know, corrects. You know, this is there there are a lot more factors at play and you can see different forces start to move these numbers around. My guess is going to be there will be action that comes in on Kansas City, especially if we're right about Green Bay winning, right? If Green Bay wins and wins comfortably at home, mm -hmm. uh, the idea that people are going to look at that second game and say, oh, the favorite, uh, you know, favorites the right side here. They're at home. They're going to look great. They have the better quarterback, just like the Packers do. So we're going to bet them. You know, th there's a there could be a, a tsunami of Kansas City money that comes in late on this one and, and affects things. I'm going to wait until the very last minute to play the Bills uh, and try to get the best of that number. I uh, want to see if you're on board with me for the Kansas City offense, if this is going to be another Kelsey game. Over 100 yards last week uh, when they met in week six, red zone, Kelsey was the man, scores two touchdowns. Bill's defense allowing the second most receiving yards during the regular season to tight ends only behind the New York Jets. Kelsey game? I would say yes, and a lot of that comes down to the way teams are defending the Chiefs now. Kelsey is your now, your, is now your... 10 targets per game at a minimum. Just going back through the game log, he's been getting uh, at least 10 targets a game in every game going back to week eight against the Jets. This, again, is over that same time frame where they haven't really been covering. And I think you can kind of 
put a bow on all of this, which is to say teams are defending the Chiefs, forcing them to do it by you know, matriculating the ball down the field by targeting Kelsey. And I don't see that changing in this game whatsoever. Kelsey is a disaster, nightmare matchup for every team. There's really nothing you can do to stop him. So I don't exactly think the Buffalo Bills and Les- Leslie Frazier come into this one with, you know, the magic plan uh, to limit his ability to, you know, create yards, catches, uh, and touchdowns. But, uh, uh, you know, it's been their MO and their identity and their, uh, you know, and, and Pat Mahomes' safety valve for so long now that uh, it's completely fair to expect that they continue to uh, run their offense through Kelsey. Yeah, agree with you. And uh, we know the NFL is hoping for KC Green Bay, Mahomes against Rodgers. But I don't think there would be many complaints about small town Buffalo going up against small town Green Bay in the Super Bowl. No, the, you, you're you're going to get a great matchup in the Super yeah. Bowl, regardless, from an entertainment standpoint. That's for sure. And yep. you know, you know, it's cool. It's exciting for the future of the uh, of the AFC and football fans in general. If uh, you know, if if a team steps up and really takes on the Chiefs and knocks them out. Yes. You know, and they're you know at home. You know, we're at three straight years now of Mahomes being the starting quarterback for KC, and they've had the home, <laughs> a home game in the AFC title game every single year so far. Uh, we need another team to step up and really you know challenge these guys. And if it's Buffalo, so be it. Uh, you know, Josh Allen's improvement year over year from last year to this year has been out of this world good. Love to see it, and uh, hope he continues. And I ultimately, I do think the Chiefs win, uh, but. I think there are paths to victory here for Buffalo, given uh, given their matchup advantages. And even if uh, you know, even if I'm holding the plus four, uh, the likelihood that Buffalo can backdoor here, um, you know, say take make a ten point game, a three point game uh, late in this contest, I think is very real. So uh, Buffalo Bills to cover, uh, but ultimately, I think we get our Green Bay KC Super Bowl. Yeah, uh, I'm with you there, man. Uh, Drew Dinsick, one half of the Deep Dive podcast at whale underscore capper on Twitter. Drew, good luck tomorrow and in the Super Bowl and as the NBA season continues. Uh, You as well. Thanks as always for having me and best luck to you and yours. Love it when we get to grab Drew here on Early Odds. To clarify where I stand, agree with Drew on the Packers first quarter first half. LaFleur has been ridiculous with the scripted plays. Rodgers crew, NFL's highest scoring team in the first half. Now the full game line a little dicey because they like to let teams back into these contests a little bit. Conversely, the Bucks, a second half team. Second in scoring in the league. So depending on the situation, a Tampa second half play, probably not awful. The Aaron Jones receptions number that we discuss is set at three and a half with AB out for Tampa. I'm expecting Brady to keep his tight ends involved. Gronk plus 220, Brait plus 400 for an anytime touchdown. But this could be a lower scoring game than expected. It wouldn't be shocking if this comes in under the number, but uh, Drew thinks it's going to go over. AFC side, now that we are north of that key number of three, I'm with Drew on the Bills. Uh, There's a case to be made that Buffalo has been the better team for the majority of the season. It's just a scary proposition fading Mahomes at such a low number. As I mentioned, could easily be a Kelsey day once again, like the last time they played, but I'm uh, looking at only touchdowns. Yardage, that number's outsized for me. 95 and a half, maybe Josh Allen over 31 and a half rushing yards. Need to use that aspect of his game as part of his arsenal if they want to pull off the upset. Both games will be broadcast live tomorrow here on 670 The Score. 
Let's get some info on a new sports book in the area from Jim Miller next. This is Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski on 670 The Score and the Radio.com app. So we just conferred on how to win it. Early Odds with Joe Ostrowski on 670 The Score, getting you set for Championship Sunday tomorrow. And let's go out to the Alpamonte Nissan Hotline, Alpamonte Nissan in Melrose Park on North Avenue or APNissan.com. Our guy Jim Miller from Hawthorne Racecourse at Hawthorne Gym. And, Jim, I know it's a big weekend for everybody at Hawthorne affiliated with PointsBet Sportsbook. Uh, Give us the latest. Yeah, and I'll tell you, Joe, it is a big weekend. It's an exciting weekend. PointsBet's going to be the first sports betting outlet in the state of Illinois to now have multiple locations open. Our location at Hawthorne Racecourse is back open. And then just this weekend, we opened the location at the Crestwood OTB right off Cicero Avenue there. It's gorgeous. They have 24 75-inch screens. You have a 126-inch screen TV. Beautiful setup. All the comforts that you need and kind of what you want to see, Joe, when we talked about that Vegas-style sportsbook setup. And that's what it is. Multiple games from one location. You have all the kiosks to place self-service wagers or the counter to go up to a clerk and place your wagers. But this is what we want to see as we're coming up to Super Bowl soon. You're coming up to March Madness. And, well, it's really nice to be able to play on that mobile app especially for March Madness. You want all the TVs in front of you, and this is a gorgeous location. Awesome. So so where we stand right now, two down, two more to go, right? That's right. Two down, two, do, two more to go. We have locations just around the corner and a couple other locations as we're looking to the northern suburbs, and then we're going to look to the western suburbs as well. And that's what we want. We want to kind of spread out, expand those horizons, really expose everybody to points bet because with the points betting options, People have that chance to really cash in big, and that's the thing. If you go to a retail outlet, you have the customer service right there where they can explain it to you in person as well and really kind of expand your horizons there, and that's what we're looking to do to end up having four locations in the state of Illinois is something that is, is really going to be great for points bet. And I know some people are confused. You don't have to do points betting either. You can have right. your normal betting with your fixed odds. And, Jim, I had a nice uh, points betting hit this week in the NBA. It was a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was a lot of fun for you, and that's what happens. You can tie so many things in, Joe, to either one player. You can tie things into the name a bet type of setup if you want to go through points bet and kind of name a play, and they'll price it out for you. With the points betting options, though, there's the risk and reward factor, but there's also the exposure, too. Like, for me this weekend, Joe, in the, in the Green Bay game, I love Marquez Valdez-Scantling from a points betting aspect because he's a big play guy. The number is low, so your exposure on the bottom end really isn't that big. But he's a guy that if he goes over 100 yards, you could have a huge day there too. High upside. That is what you're looking for, and I could see it. So what's the worst thing that happens? He throws up a complete goose egg right. uh, on Sunday against this Bucks defense. Is it possible? Absolutely. But the worst case scenario, you're betting over 39. So worst case scenario, and, and you're not going to bet using points betting, uh, same amount of stake as you would a regular wager. So high risk, but you know what? The reward is much higher in this specific instance. Well, and that's the thing. And he's the guy that actually has had games this year where he has surpassed 100 yards in receiving. And he's the guy, when you look at Aaron Rodgers, okay, you draw a team off sides and you get that free play. The downfield target is Valdez-Scantling. He kind of has two routes. He has the quick out where you catch it and try to run with the ball or the guy that's the downfield threat. And he usually gets two, three, four, five targets downfield each and every game. It may just be one reception to already get you to the over amount. You get two or three receptions, and it could be a huge day. 
Uh, absolutely. And, you know, there are high upside plays by taking the under two, depending on what you're looking at. It can get a little complicated, but earlier this week, my winner was Luka Doncic, and his numbers are always crazy high because he gets so many triple doubles. So I was looking at the multiplier, which is points times assists times rebounds. He's on a back-to-back going against a good defensive team, and the number was 2,768. I play the under gym. That had more upside to me. I could hit a max bet on an under. That's another thing to consider. A lot of yep. these, if you go under, you want to make sure that you can have a max bet where your max isn't 50% of uh, what you could end up losing if it goes poorly. Right, and that's the thing. And you can kind of set that uh, set up there. You look at those multipliers, and really there is that exposure on both end of things. But like you said, you kind of get surprised a little bit when a guy, okay, he, he sits down early or you get a blowout or you have a game that like like you were in the instance of, of the second game of a back-to-back and they have that game where they're just a little bit off and for them being a little bit off really cashed in for a huge payday for you. I like that MVS play. Both games I think are going to be terrific coming up tomorrow. Do you have another winner for us with the horses? You gave us uh, a ticket to cash last week. Yeah, we cashed last week on a race at Laurel Park, and it's a huge day at Gulfstream Park today. It's the running of the Pegasus World Cup, so there's three horses we're going to look to. Race number 10, but the nine-horse succeed and surpass across the board. That'll be the biggest price of the three. Race 11, bet the six-horse, Largent, named after Steve Largent. And then in race number 12, bet the four, and Nick's go in the big race, and hopefully we can cash some money there. Got it. Jim, uh, starting next week, we'll be talking about all the Super Bowl props that are posted at PointsBet over a week out. Oh, it's going to be so much fun, Joe. Looking forward to it. It's great to have a couple retail locations open. Make sure you go check it out. Jim Miller, Hawthorne Race Course at Hawthorne Jim. Talk next Saturday, Jim. All right, you got it. Thanks, Joe. If you are looking for more actionable information to use for tomorrow, subscribe to my radio.com podcast. Bet Sweats, it's Monday through Friday. Broke down the matchups with Matt Bowen, Adam Chernoff, Simon Hunter, and a cast of others throughout the week. We have an exciting announcement to share with you on Monday morning live at 9 a.m. on the Radio.com app. Hit me up on Twitter, at Joe0670. Best of luck. We'll talk later. Inside the Clubhouse is next on 670 The Score. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.